Last week I started the series off talking about distractions. Um, and, you know, you say, well, this is a Christmas series. Shouldn't you be talking about the Christmas child? And um, we're going to talk about the Christmas child next week. We're going to start the Christmas story next week. But before we did that, I wanted us to prepare our hearts. And I wanted us to prepare uh, our minds before the rat race of Christmas starts. We talked about this last week. It's already nuts, right? I mean, people are jostling for position in the mall. And, you know, I mean, it's just nuts. People are honking at me. And normally they don't honk at me, you know. It's just crazy. And as Christians, we need to be able to step back and say, no, 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 no. I can't get involved in this. I need to be patient. I need to be kind. I need to be gentle. And I don't need to be rushing, 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 going, 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 going. And then on Christmas Eve, I say, oh, yeah, the baby Jesus. That's what this is all about. And so we need to understand that right now, we need to step back and live our lives acoustically. And last week we talked about distractions and how uh, Jesus got rid of distractions, whether they're good distractions or bad distractions. Your family probably can be either, right? I mean, it's like, it depends on who it is. You know, Uncle Leo has got the crazy, you know, uh, bad distraction. You know, your brother, your mom or dad, you probably love them, good distraction. But they can be distractions nonetheless. And so we need to understand that we need to pause and step back and step away and get with God and say, God, you are my priority. Because when this happens and when you do this, people are going to see you in the mall strolling along and not killing people to get to the next Elmo or whatever that little furry thing is that's popular this year. They're going to see you and they're going to wonder, wow, she must have great time management. Do you have good time management? And you can say, no, no. You've done all your Christmas shopping, right? No. I just know that it'll get taken care of. I know that my God comes first. And so when we talked about distractions, what we talked about last week was, was that in order to hear from God, you have to get rid of the distractions. Jesus got rid of all the people that he was healing. They were, they were there for a genuine purpose. They wanted to be healed. But at some point, Jesus realized that his relationship with God was getting a little frail. And he said, all right, disciples, you get in the boat. I'm shipping you out. I'm going to take care of the 12,000 people that are here with me. And he got rid of them. And then he went up on a mountainside to pray, to be with his heavenly Father. And prayed all night. Sleep was not a distraction to him. The people were not a distraction to him. He was not going to let them be a distraction. And we saw last week that God himself, he doesn't compete with distractions. You and I, we have to make a choice. And I said last week, it's like God is playing the NFL, right? God, God's playing the NFL, and, and if you start playing around with distractions, it's like jumping into junior high league, Right? I mean, what, if, you had, if you had tickets to, to, to Jesuit junior high football, right, or you had tickets to the Saints game, which one are you going to take, all right? I think you know the answer. We're going to the Saints every time, but sometimes we can get so distracted that we can think that the, that, that the Jesuit high school football, I hear they were undefeated this year, but nonetheless, we think that 
they are more important, that they're bigger, they're better, and nothing is more important than our God. Nothing. And so today I want to talk a little bit more about that because here's what happens if you allow distractions to take hold of you. We've got the quintessential, oh, I'm going to die. We've got the quintessential picture of Jesus here, right? Everybody seen this picture? I mean, obviously, because they took a picture of him, and this is what he looked like, right? The white Jesus, okay? I tried looking up uh, uh, some Middle Eastern Jesuses, and it was, I mean, like the guys that they had, they were like, ah, you know, I mean, it's just scary. But listen, listen, listen. If you allow distractions to get in your way, here's what happens. Okay, Uncle Larry's coming over. Well, we got to get the turkey and the ham ready. Oh, presents! Presents! More presents! It's Christmas Eve. And then all of a sudden you realize you haven't spent time with Christ. I want to challenge us to live an acoustic life. I want to challenge us to live a life just like Jesus lived. When Jesus was up on this mountain praying, what was he dealing with? Was it, did he turn off his iPod? Did he turn off his computer? Did he, did he switch off his droid? He didn't have any of that. He had crickets and birds. And so I want to challenge us to turn it off this Christmas season. I, I told y'all last week that I turned off my radio and I didn't realize it, but I'm addicted to ESPN radio. Absolutely addicted to it. I get in the car and I just automatically turn it up. I'm a sports freak. And I mean, every angle, and, and I'm not betting on it, you know, but every angle I can get, I just want to know more. And, and, and it just, I didn't realize it, but I am addicted to it. I knew long ago I was addicted to TV, but I've cut a lot of that out. And so now, whew, that was close. So now I've cut most of that out aside from uh, football. And I'm feeling good today, I got to tell you. <clears throat> feeling good today. Um, but, uh, but aside from football, I've cut, I've cut almost all of that out. And, and listen, I want us to take the acoustic challenge. How many of you this past week, from the challenge last week, took the acoustic challenge? Please, somebody raise your hand. Sweet. Yes. I want to challenge all of us to live the acoustic life. Where in the car, all we hear are people honking at us. Where in our house, all we hear are the kids running around, or our spouse, or our roommates, or, or, or just the air conditioner. I want to challenge us to live an acoustic life. And unplug. And today we're going to talk about how unplugging is actually going to power you up. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, jump to uh, Matthew chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. David, grab some Bibles back there. David's going to walk down the aisle here. If you have your Bibles, just ra- if you don't have a Bible and you need a Bible, raise your hand. We're going to have it up on the screen. Uh, but, but you can erase that picture of Jesus. I don't want him staring at me the whole time. Uh, but... but uh, <laughs> I want us to understand that when we read in Scripture, there's something there. I don't know what it is, but there's something there that we can read it in context. It's so much different than reading it up on a screen. So if you grab your Bibles, uh, go to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. And while you're going there, um, did y'all see uh, this story? Uh, Yahoo is my homepage. And did y'all see this story 
uh, yesterday, you're, you're like, wait a minute, you just told, told him to unplug. I still got to work, you know, you, you still got to work. Everybody still has to use a computer. I was working, and I was looking something up on the internet, and um, the, the homepage came up, and it said, Andy Murray dumped by his girlfriend, but you wouldn't believe why, and this was yesterday, and, uh, and of course, I'm intrigued, and I'm like, all right, so I click on it. She's a pretty girl, you know. She dumped him because he plays video games for seven hours a day. Do you know who Andy Murray is? He's the number four ranked tennis player in the world. The only, uh, the only um, American tennis player that's in the top ten right now, if I, if I remember right. Uh, and, and, and his girlfriend, real pretty girl, you know, I don't know what their lifestyle's like. I, I, don't, I don't care. But she dumped him because he plays video games for seven hours a day. His coach said his life works like this. He plays video games. He plays tennis. He's got a girlfriend somewhere in there, but we're not sure when she comes around. So she got sick of it and just said, see you later. You're out. And what we found, what I found there, and I thought this was unbelievable. I was like, dude, seriously, you know, you're not going to be number four forever because the Americans are dropping off like, like flies, okay? And so you've got you to gotta hang on to this, all right? And, and, and I'm like, call a war, call a duty, whatever it is. Really? Seriously? He was so distracted that he didn't see what was right in front of him. And in this story that we're going to take a look at, it's Matthew chapter 15, we're coming off of the story that we looked at uh, last week where John the Baptist was beheaded. Jesus finds out he has to walk for 16 miles, 16 miles to get into the middle of a lake so he can be alone. Okay? And, and he's alone there. Then he gets on the other side of the lake. All these people want to be healed. They want to be, be fed, all this other stuff. Then they get out of the lake, or the, he kicks them out, goes up on the mountain, prays. He goes into the middle of the lake. This is where he walks on the water, right? Walks on the water. Y'all, y'all remember that one? That's a pretty cool story. Jesus, Jesus comes, to, comes up to the boat. They're like, whoa, ghost. And he's like, no, it's just me, just walking on the water. Peter, why don't you come on out to me? Peter, what comes out? And, and he's walking, he's focused on Jesus, and then all of a sudden he notices the waves and the wind and everything's going crazy, and he notices the distractions around him. And he starts to sink. And he lost his trust in Jesus. And so we pick up the story when he gets to the other side. It's a place called, uh, well, I'll get there in a minute. But uh, let's, let's read this first uh, this first. Actually, let's go to Matthew chapter 14, verse 34. Matthew chapter 14, verse 34. I don't know if it's up on the screen. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. Now, Gennesaret is this plain that's on the other side of the lake. And, and, and I think we've got a, a Google map here where we can, we can see this. Uh, jump to that Google map. What happens is he is, he is at this plain uh, on the other side of the lake. There's the world. We're zooming in. You see Nazareth. That's where Jesus was born. There's Gennesaret, Okay. Um, and then the Sea of Galilee. Now, what's going to happen here is he's at Gennesaret, and these Pharisees, the bad guys, all right, for all pretense and purposes, they're going to start walking. They walk from Jerusalem. Nazareth is 16 miles from the Sea of Galilee. Jerusalem is somewhere around 80 to 90 miles. And they're pretty ticked off at Jesus, and this is the path that they would take. They'd, they'd hop on the, uh, the Jordan River Expressway and roll on up. Okay, so they, they take off, and, and something has them aggravated. Something has them ticked off, and they don't like it at all. So let's read on. And when the men of the, that place recognized Jesus, 
They sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. So he's healing people like crazy right here in Gennesaret. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before you eat, before they eat. Now, doesn't this sound like your mom? You know, I mean, when, my wife, we sit down to eat, and, and the kids are all, you know, sitting there, they're about to dig in. She goes, they haven't washed their hands. And I'm thinking, we can let this slide. You don't know what it takes to get kids to sit down in their seats. She's like, no, we can't. I mean, it's not, not like they have botulism on their hands or anything, you know. They're not just, I mean, they're not going to die, but, but, but it has to be done, Right? And the Pharisees, they're going crazy with this. And we're, I want to talk to, I'll tell you about the background of it here in a minute. It says, uh, they don't wash their hands before they eat. Verse 3. Then Jesus replied. He doesn't he didn't actually answer their question. He just replies to them. He says, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother. And anyone who, who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says you might otherwise have received... Uh, have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Now, let me explain this, because you read this and you go, I, I got no idea what's going on here. I don't, I don't have a clue what they're talking about. He's talking about the, the sixth commandment. Fifth commandment? Sixth commandment. The, the honor your, your father and mother commandment. He's talking about that commandment. And he says, so hang on, before I answer your question, oh, big wise ruler, I know you walked... 90 miles to come and see me, to come in and, and put me down. Because I know you don't like me, and I know I'm threatening your power. But let me ask you a question first. Let me ask you this. Why do we have to follow your tradition and not God's law? Because God said, I'm supposed to honor my mother and father. But what you have done is you have made, back 500 years ago, you made these laws that will protect God's laws. Do we really need these? No, and what has happened is 500 years, if you go into the Old Testament, there's like the book of Malachi, uh, it's a great name for a child, and, and, or, or the children of the corn, wasn't that his name? Uh, and, and so if you go back to Malachi, it's like 500 years before Christ. And at that time, the Pharisees start to, to come to power. And they start making laws to, originally, they were to protect and help you follow the laws of God. But what they found was that they were gaining power and more power, and more power. And with this specific law, they actually said, yeah, okay, you can honor your father and mother, but this word honor, it also means it's a financial thing. In other words, when they get old, you're responsible for for taking care of them. And they took that and they said, okay, but listen, if you gave that money to, say, the temple and us, then you can be off. You, You don't have to take care of them. And so, what Jesus is attacking here is he's saying, listen, you say honor your father and mother, but in doing so, in your way of honoring them, you nullify the word of God, and you kick it to the curb. And Jesus says, this is great, he says, you hypocrites, because that is exactly what they are. They were taking money that did not belong to them. They were taking people's money that belonged to to them to take care of their families. But they would put pressure on people and say, if you give us the money, God will take care of them. Don't worry about that. 
you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus called the crowd to him. He's like, come on, gather up. Everybody huddle up. All 5,000 of you. Get close. He says, listen and understand. And this is key. This is, this is what we're going to talk about a little bit today. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. And then the disciples, they come up to him and they say, hey man, uh, Jesus, seriously, you know you ticked them off, right? You know you, know you made them mad, right? They're, they're threatened. They're feeling like they're in a corner. And I don't want them to be like a wild dog and come after us. Okay, they're, they're, they're aggravated. You know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this. Jesus replied, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled, will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. And, and, and these guys are right there. It's not like they can't hear him, right? And I mean, he's basically saying, listen, listen, listen. Don't, these guys right here, don't follow these jokers. They will, they will lead you astray. And then Peter comes up to him, and, and, and the disciples, if you read Scripture, you kind of see, eh, they don't really get it half the time. You know, I mean, it's, it's sometimes like when I read the Bible, I'll read something, and then I'm like, what did I just read? I read it again, and I'll say, okay, I read it, I remember it, I don't understand it. You know, I feel like the disciples a lot of times. And so right now, right here, they're just still not getting it. He says, explain the parable to us. And Jesus says, are you still so dull? Really? You need me to, you need me to explain it? Okay, all right, here we go. He said, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out the body? Anybody want me to describe that? No, of course. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. My wife, my wife is a marketer's dream. She, we, we, get, we get this, we don't have cable, but we've got this um, uh, all cartoon channel that comes over the airways, Cubo. But they don't play like kid cartoon, kid commercial stuff, you know, it's not like Tonka toys and all this stuff. It's, it's marketing infomercials, you know, 30-minute, you know, here's the magic bullet and that kind of thing. And we'll be sitting there watching it or sitting at the table talking and hear it and Lee will poke her head around the corner and, and she'll go, oh, now that's cool. We should get that. And I'm like, yeah, just three payments of $19.99 when we go to Walgreens and get it for 12 you know. I'm just like, no, we're not, no, 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 no. We don't need the magic bullet. We've got two blenders. You know, it's one of these things, you and it blends up, makes the perfect mango margarita or something, I don't know, salsa, and, uh, and everything that comes on, I mean, it's just like, she's a marketer's dream, and I don't know what she did before we got married, or before we were dating, I don't know how much stuff she ordered off the TV, I don't think any, but boy, I mean, we're, I'm, it's like I'm reining her in so much of the time, because, because these things, they just start to, to pull her in and, and distract her a lot of times, and we have to understand something. When it comes to our heart, we need to ask the question, we need to ask this. What is it, how is it, that these things get into our heart? How do these things, these distractions, get into our heart? I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to, to have a distraction here and there. 
But how do these things get rooted in there? How does, these, how does this sexual immorality and, and unclean thoughts and, and adultery and slander and, and false test lying, I mean, all this stuff, how does it get there? I mean, I can tell you I've got sin in my life and I've probably got all of these with my thoughts. You know, I probably get angry and murder somebody in my head or, or look at someone in such an unclean way that, that I'm not treating my wife and the marriage the, the way I should and I need forgiveness. And, 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 and there's all kinds of things that go on in our heads and in our hearts. And we need to understand how these things get here. These distractions, we need to know how they get here. And so, write this down. I got some notes on the back side because, uh, because the hard drive died. Um, we, we lost everything, and so I couldn't make a good program for you this week. But nonetheless, write this down on the back side if you've got a pen. Everything we engage in, everything we engage in influences us in some way. Everything we engage in influences us in some way. Whether it be subtly, whether it be overtly, everything that we engage in influences us in some way. The things that we spend the most time on, the things that we spend the most money on, take your checkbook out and look at what you spend the most money on and tell me that doesn't influence your life. Look at, step back and see what you spend the most time thinking about. Problems at work, problems at home. How you're going to pay for Christmas presents this year. How you're going to get everybody in town. What consumes your thoughts? Because this, this is what influences you. Whether it be for this time or whether it be for a lifetime. We need to understand that these things influence us. And they can also be incredible, incredible distractions. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, you don't, have to, you don't have to turn here, but Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 23. Matthew chapter 6 is a list of influences. A list of influences. It's called the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And, and Jesus gives in the middle of this a list of influences. He says, he talks about prayer. And he says, you need to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's not, you don't say that, it's an example, it's a model. And we've gone through that before. And he talks about fasting. And how if you do these things, you will be influenced by your heavenly Father. But then he also talks about treasures in heaven. He talks about giving to the needy. And he talks about worrying. He says, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust, they can't get to them. Because here, if you put your hope in things, in things that they can get to them, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. But then he also talks about worry. Worry. And he says, if you're worrying, it's not going right. You're not, you're not following with, with me. You're not tracking with me. And in the middle of this passage where he's talking about storing up for your treasure, yourself treasures in heaven, he kind of goes off and he, and he says in verse 22, it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. And I mean, he's talking about treasure in heaven. Wait, 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 what are you, where are you getting this from? But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Let's keep in mind what he's talking about here. He's talking about storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. Things that have an eternal lasting to them. And he says, listen, what you see and what you desire, these things, these things are going to be what you go after. These things are what you want so desperately. And these are the things that are going to influence you. What you see with your eyes and go after and allow to root in your heart. These are things that will influence you. You've heard, you may have heard Jesus say many times, um, he who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. I think that's, that's uh, you, you can find it in Matthew eleven fifteen. It's a, it's not a, 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 it's all over the place. He, he says it all the time. He who has ears, let him hear. He's saying, listen, listen, listen. I need you to hear what I am saying because I have the words to influence your life. Hear what I am saying. And we need to understand that what we see and what we hear influence our lives. And these things can get into our hearts and into our minds. And all of a sudden, we will be influenced by what we see and hear, and not by who we know. If you don't buy that, I want to challenge you to look at the people of power. We see people of power fall like crazy. Most recently, we see Tiger. What does he see and hear? Because before, we thought, okay, he's got, a, he's got a strict lifestyle. He goes, plays golf. He goes to the hotel, spends two hours on the phone with his wife. If she's not there with him, goes to bed, gets up, and he's practicing with his caddy at 6 in the morning. But what we find out is we see a little bit more of this guarded life that he has, and we see that he frequents clubs, and he frequents places that they're not part of a family lifestyle. And because of that, it led to problems and issues in his life. Look at, look at people, say, the Yankees. Look at A-Rod. Look at Jason Giambi when he played for the Yankees. Look at, look at um, um, Manny Ramirez. He's not on the Yankees. Uh, look at uh, any of these guys who have fallen because of roids. Because what are they surrounding themselves with? They're, they're hanging out. They're seeing these guys who have these big, huge bodies and they've got power and they can kick a ball over the field and, and they say, I think I want that. That's what I need. I can hit the ball, I just can't hit it far enough. Maybe I'll call Barry and see if he can hook me up. Basketball players. If y'all have ever seen the lifestyle of a basketball player, and I'm talking about someone who is straight up clean, like perfect. The temptations that they have to deal with is unbelievable. When they get off their bus to walk into the arena that they're going to play in, there are women, say they walk down the aisle, there are women roped off doing and suggesting things that you and I would, would want to go bathe off of us. I mean, it is unreal. And there's only so long you can last through 
temptations like that. Now, you and I don't play baseball unless you've got a hidden life or basketball. And, you know, we probably don't deal with these type temptations. But you and I deal with temptations all of our own. And many of them may come from the fact that we're surrounding ourselves and we're seeing and we're hearing things that are not of God. And so here's my challenge. I want to challenge you to do and follow the wisdom of Spider-Man's uncle. Spider-Man's uncle. Anybody know this line? With great power comes great responsibility. This is, this is not in scripture, okay? <laughs> not there. But listen, at some point you are an influencer. You influence somebody in your life. There's somebody around you that you influence and you have great power over them. And I don't mean that you lord it over them, but that they just watch you and they see you and they, they admire you and you have great power, but you have to be responsible with it. And so many people have great power, but they fall flat on their face because they are not responsible. Now listen, you take that with a grain of salt because it's not scripture. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it talks about the... the um, well, y'all probably heard it. It's, it, it. it's the yoked. Do not be yoked to an unbeliever. Um, and, and this is an important verse. Many times we, we kind of think, oh, well, this verse is talking about uh, marriage and serious dating. Uh, I don't see marriage and serious dating in here at all. Verse 14, Matthew, or 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what, you do, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common. It's kind of harsh, isn't it? I mean, I've got friends that are not believers. I mean, Paul's calling them wicked? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? That's Satan. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Now, back to 14. This yoked together, this is, this is a common phrase in Jesus' day. And what would happen is they would take two ox. And they would put this yoke over them. It went over their shoulders. And in the middle, you had the reins. And you strapped it on them. And if you strapped a, a, a yoke onto an ox who was 800 pounds and an ox who, would, who was 400 pounds, it would just go in circles. All right? You don't want to do that. You want them evened out. You want a straight, narrow rut as you're planting and farming because that's what they were used for, for pulling their basic, your basic horse today. And Jesus says, listen, you can, or Paul says, you cannot get into a partnership with an unbeliever. Whether that be a marriage, whether that be a, a, a serious dating relationship, whether that be a business partnership, whether that be, listen, and this may, this may stink, whether that be your best friend, you cannot be in such a relationship that they influence you to the point that you are falling further and further away in your relationship with Christ. Now, when, when Paul talks about wickedness, he is making this, this contrast of what is inside our hearts. Because what God sees inside of our hearts, for those of us who have given our lives to Christ, for those of us who, who have said, Jesus, 
I surrender my life to you. God has come in and he has, he has made us clean. He has cleansed us of all the shame that we have, of all the pain that we have. He has made us clean in his sight. However, for those who choose not to follow Christ, it's still there. And he cannot clean that out until you are ready, ready to fully surrender that life to him. And this is what Paul is talking about. He's not walking down the sidewalk going, wicked, good, wicked, good, evil, good. He's not, that's not his point. And so we need to understand what we see, what we hear, and who we hang out with and partner with. It influences our life. And it will become a serious distraction. Now listen, our culture, our culture has, they've convinced us that we cannot change. They've convinced us, you are who you are. You can't change, you are just who you are. You were born that way, or you are this, or you are that. And, and, and this is the biggest lie that Satan throws at us. Because here's the thing, part of that is right, and this is what Satan's so good at. He takes things and, and makes them a partial truth, a partial lie. And part of that is right, you can't change your heart, you can't change yourself, you are on the inside who you are. But here's what you can change, you can change your habits, you can turn the TV off. I dare you to unplug your TV. This is what I challenged you last week. I dare you to unplug your TV and see how many times you pick up the remote and turn it on just, just in, out of instinct, right? You can change your habits by doing some drastic things maybe or maybe you're powerful enough to, do, to just change that habit. But on the inside, you're still the same. It is only Christ that can change us. It is only Christ that can take our hearts and mold it to His heart. And make it Him. It is only Christ. Now listen. You can't beat culture. But you can have an overwhelming counter-influence in your life. And that is Christ. And as you realize that the people I hang out with, and the people that I partner with, and the things that I see and allow into my eyes and ears and into my mind and my heart... As you realize this and start to weed through these things and get rid of them, what you will find is Jesus. What you will find is Christ. And you can have the most amazing, unbelievable relationship with your Heavenly Father that you have ever experienced in your life. Over the last two weeks, my relationship with Christ has exploded. I mean, he's talking to me all the time. And, and I'm sitting here thinking, why didn't I turn the radio off so long ago? Because Colin Cowherd had something interesting to say? Because, because Mike and Mike have the inside scoop on college football? What in the world? I have got a relationship with my Heavenly Father that's just unbelievable. And it's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because I stand up here in front of you and talk. It's because I turned off 
things. And I tuned in to God. So my challenge to you guys is this. I'm not saying you quit your day job. I'm not saying you become a monk and go live in an arid highland. I am not saying that you dump your friends. Please understand me here. I am saying that you keep the major influences in your life. You understand that they need to help you focus on Christ. We have a calling as Christians. We have to stand up and represent Christ for those of us that have friends that have neighbors or whatever that are not following Christ. We are to stand up and represent Him. But we cannot partner and be influenced by them. I've got a friend of a friend who has um, Tourette's, Tourette's syndrome. And he used to, uh, when, he, when he, they call it tick, I guess, when he, when he used to tick, he'd cuss like a sailor. I'm sorry, Coast Guard guys. Uh, he, he'd, he'd go crazy. He'd go crazy. I mean, just, just you know, profanity and obscenities, and, and um, it was bad. And then he got saved. He came to know Christ as his Lord and Savior, and his heart got radically changed, didn't take away the Tourette's. But now when he ticks, he's like, praise Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're wonderful, God. I mean, it, it, it's, like, it's like these pastors you see on TV. You think an organ's going to come out in the background. That's what I imagine. I, I don't know the guy personally. But this is what was told to me. And, and this is what God can do to your heart. When you come to know him, and the more you get rid of these distractions, the more you begin to think about God and things that are holy. And we're going to start a series the beginning of the year on holiness. And it is going to change your life and your relationship with God because you're going to see how God sees you and that He sees you as holy. And you're going to begin to think and say and talk about holiness and how wonderful God is. And you may be the biggest dork that people know. But God is going to be so pleased. And I want to end with this. It's Proverbs chapter 2. This is the benefit of getting rid of distractions and being influenced by Christ himself. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. You just listen. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, if you will call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, because the only place you can get this is from the Lord. If you look for it as silver and search for it as, uh, search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. This, is a, this fear is respect. And find the knowledge of God. Who doesn't want to live with that? Who doesn't want that? Verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. Anybody want to win? Hey, me, okay. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. Does anybody want wisdom? Does anybody want to make the right choices, the right decisions? Then you have to be influenced by your heavenly Father. 
For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men. From men whose words are perverse, who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways. Wisdom from our Heavenly Father will protect you. Who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Verse 16. It will save you, guys, listen. It will save you also from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words, who, have, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Guys, if we will follow Christ. These little hussies who are running around are not going to be tempting to us. If we do not, they are going to be a huge temptation. Thus you will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. You want to be influenced? Be influenced by a relationship that is so deep, that is so undistracted by your heavenly Father, that is so focused on Him. Be influenced by Him and follow His ways. Because if we do this, listen, listen, listen. If we do this, then we will worship the baby Jesus every single day of this Christmas season. And it won't come Christmas Eve where we're sitting in front of the fire and all the family's around and we're full and having a tryptophan nap on turkey and all of a sudden we realize it's about baby Jesus. It's about the Jesus who was born, who came out of heaven to earth. It's about Him. We can begin to do that right now. And because of that, we can be set apart in the crazy rat race that everybody else is running. And we can stand out for our Lord and Savior. Pray with me. Father, I pray for us individually right now. And I ask that you will help us identify the influences and the distractions that we have in our lives. Father, I pray, I pray that we will spend time with you that is of such quality that we want quantity. Father, I pray that you speak to our hearts as we obey you and live an acoustic life, as we turn things off and focus on you. Father, I pray for those of us who are questioning what's going on around us, the influencers in our life that are influencers on us and the things that we see and hear. God, I pray that you help us to identify that these things get into our heart and eventually they will come out of our mouth. Father, I pray that what comes out of our mouth is praise to you, honor to you. And Father, I pray that we can share you with others because of it. So Lord, may you be lifted up in our lives, especially right now. May we seek you with all of our hearts. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.